If you would, turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 4, and we're going to continue on now in looking at this story and this encounter that Jesus had with the Samaritan woman. Uh, we will take four Sundays. Several weeks ago, we began this, and we've got including this one and two more, and just looking at how Jesus brought this woman along and brought her to a place of faith. And this is an amazing encounter because Jesus does something here that would have not been seen anywhere in Israel. There never would have been a religious leader who would have encountered a woman by himself at a well, and not let alone just a woman, but a Samaritan woman and obviously a woman who, who was an outcast uh, in her culture and in her village. And Jesus encounters her and engages with her. You see, Jesus is unlike anyone that you and I know. He definitely was not afraid um, of, of avoiding things that people said, oh, you shouldn't do that. Jesus had come to, to give his life for people and to invest his life. And so I think there's no surprise that he engages her in the way that he does. Now, we know that this is a sovereign encounter. This is one of those encounters that the Father has designed for him. Uh, Jesus has come to Sychar uh, to meet this woman, and through her, we will see in a few weeks that God just does an incredible work in this area. You see, you and I are commanded to reach beyond all of these man-made barriers that have been set up for us to reach out to those who do not know Jesus. Now, we will continue to see in the text today that Jesus was never self-serving. He was always others-centered. Now, Jesus could have done a miracle. He could have got water for himself in some other way, but Jesus was never going to do that. He was never going to do a miracle that would be self-serving for himself. This was just simply not going to be an option for him. And so he didn't use his power and ability as God to just um, benefit himself. He had come to lay his life down and to pour his life into others. And so I love the story in John chapter 4 is that he's not gathered these big masses, but he has taken his time to individually stop down and to encounter this woman who is deeply thirsty for what life truly means. And in the obscurity out of the limelight at noon, likely on a hot day in a forgotten land, the holy, eternal God stopped at a well to transform a life of someone that everybody around her said had no worth. And the beauty of this chapter and the beauty of what we will see today is very, very significant. And by asking her for a drink and being willing to drink out of her container, Jesus was putting himself right on her level, right where she was. She had come for water. He needed water. And the beauty of that is incredible. And we will see today that all spiritual thirst, if we will come to Jesus in salvation, spiritual thirst ends with him. Now, later on, we will see this when we get to John chapter 7. At one of the feasts, Jesus is in Jerusalem. On the last day of the feast, John writes these words in John seven thirty seven. 
On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, If anybody thirsts, let him come to me. Listen to that invitation. Let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of, listen to this, living water. We're going to talk about living water today. Now, John writes, Jesus said this about the Spirit, whom those who believed in Him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus had, was not yet glorified. And we will talk about living water today, and this is the same as this, this new birth idea that Jesus had in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus about coming to find life in Jesus alone. Now I want to pause here before we read the scripture and we get into our time today. And I want to say this to you. There's, there's probably many of us that are watching, listening today, and your life is going to be a lot like this woman. On the inside, you were broken. And I want you to know that at life point and with God, God loves the broken. We love the broken here at life point. And so if you are wrestling with finding satisfaction in Jesus or just finding satisfaction in life, I want you to know you are loved and you are welcome. And I want you to see yourself in the place of this woman. And I want you to know that Jesus wants to draw you in and to remind you that he is the only one that can heal the brokenness and to bring the satisfaction that you and I need. So we are here for you. Don't stay away and don't stay in, in your brokenness. Let us know you are welcome and we want to do everything we can do to help you. So let's read the text. And since it's been a few weeks, let's put it all together. We're going to focus our time in 10 through 15, but let's, let's put John 4 1 through 15, so we can kind of kind of put it all together. John 4, 1. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. And he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. That was noon. And a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, Ask for a drink from me, a, a woman of Samaria, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And so Jesus answered her question in verse 10. If you knew the gift of God, and this is our text moving forward here today. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, sir... You have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. And then she asks another question. Where do you get that living water? It's almost like, okay, I heard this word living now, so where do you get this living water? Verse 12 says, Are you greater than our father Jacob, 
He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty and have to come here to draw water. So I want to point out what I think are very important things today. So Jesus is bringing her along. She questions, why are you asking me for a drink? You're a Jew. You're a man. Why are you asking me for this? And so Jesus' aim is to bring her along. And she is still confused all the way through this, kind of going back and forth. But Jesus is going to straighten it out for her. And the first thing I want us to see today is found in verse 10. Let's read verse 10 again. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked Him, and He would have given you living water. The first thing I want us to see today is this, is that Jesus makes this offer. This is the key um, word in this first point this morning. It's offer. Jesus makes an offer to her. He makes an offer to you and I to be spiritually satisfied. Now, she has just asked a question. But in this moment, and Jesus will do this later, he doesn't directly answer the question that she is asking, but he goes right to the very heart of her need. And the heart of her need is this, is she is spiritually thirsty. She has got a satisfaction issue, and he knows what she needs because she's been doing it for a very long time, stuck in this cycle of just thinking, this is the way that I ought to live my life. This is the way I ought to give my life. And she is finding out that there's no answer to that, but she just is going to continue to stay doing exactly what she is doing. And Jesus is going to cultivate her heart and bring her to a place to turn her heart. And he does this in three ways in verse 10. He makes her curious about the things of God, where he says, if you knew the gift of God, he makes her curious about who he is. He says, and if you knew who it is that is saying this to you and is asking you and telling you this, and then he made her curious about what he could give her when he says, he would have given you living water. And so Jesus, here in verse 10, makes her an offer. This offer is threefold. So let me give you these things that he offers her in verse 10. This is an offer of grace and mercy. This is an unlikely candidate. This is one of those people that you would look at and you would go, well, this person is not ever going to believe in Jesus, is not going to be interested in walking with God. Their life is so broken, it's so messed up, so made of bad choices. But here in this moment, Jesus offers her this incredible gift of mercy and grace. And let me remind us from several weeks ago, she didn't come to the well that day because she got a mailer that said, come to the well at noon and you're going to hear a message of hope and it's going to fix your life. She came at noon on a hot day because she didn't want to see anybody, didn't want to be connected with anyone. And Jesus takes the time to engage her and to begin to call her and to offer her mercy and grace. And it's beautiful. And with this 
offer of mercy and grace that Jesus gives. If we are ever going to know God's offer of salvation in Christ and know about this mercy and grace, then we must come to know who is who it is that is offering salvation to us. And so Jesus says to her, if you only knew, if you only knew who was offering you this. It is likely she knew some things, but Christ reveals to her here there is something that she didn't know, that Jesus was the one who had what she needed, that in him she would find true satisfaction in a saving relationship with the one who was standing before her. So in light of this, Jesus says to her, if you only knew, and if she knew, she would have asked him for living water. Her deepest longings would have been forever settled. But she doesn't know it yet, and she is trying to come to this place, and Jesus is drawing her in and drawing her in. And like, so, like her, there are so many today who if they were just left to themselves and left on their own, they would continue on the same course of their life and they would never know that there was something else that you could give your life to. And that's why it's so important for us who have a message to tell in a day and time today where there's so much confusion and so much, what is, what is the future going to hold? We as His people need to speak into those who are spiritually thirsty and wondering about the future and wondering about the uncertainty of things and to communicate the truth of Jesus. But unfortunately, so many people are just okay spiritually with where they are and they live and die in that state. And at some point in time, for many of us, Jesus stopped at a usual place for us, just like this woman going to the well, and he encou we encountered him and he changed everything for us and praise his name for that. In those moments, He's shown His light into our darkness and He crushed our ignorance and our confusion about this life and we came to know that there was one who loved us. So this offer that Jesus gives to her is to be spiritually satisfied is an offer of grace and mercy. And so it, it's connected with, we've got to know who's offering it, but secondly, we've got to see it as a gift. It's not something that's earned. And so Jesus said, if you knew who was offering this, and if you knew that this is a gift of God, he says to her. So we've got to see this offer of satisfaction is one that comes from God himself. This word gift here in the Greek means to be given favor or to be given the free gift that comes from God. Who is the great gift? The great gift is Jesus himself. And so Jesus tells her, that she, has, she is living in the most favorable moment of her entire life. She is now in the presence of God, and He is offering her an opportunity to turn away from all of the things she's been given her life to and to turn now to Jesus and to be satisfied. And again, I want to just say this. You talk about an unlikely candidate. She fits it perfectly. And in this moment... While she is not ready right now in this moment, Jesus is bringing her along and she is going to be ready to believe in Him in a little bit. You know, in every evangelism encounter that you and I ever have, we should begin with common realities that we have with people. 
With Nicodemus, it was new birth, a new life. With this woman, it was water that was alive that you didn't that you didn't have to keep doing the things that you were doing, but there was something that God offered to drink for satisfaction, and it's a gift. It's not something that God, where God wants to rob for us. God, listen to this. God's tenderness toward people who are broken is to offer them a gift. And it comes from mercy and grace. And we need to know who it is that's offering it. It is Jesus himself who laid his life down. And you and I need to see it's a gift. It cannot be earned this way to satisfaction. So the second thing in verse 10 is to see this, is this offer comes from the direct source of the one who can give the living water, and he can give this living water because he is living water. And so Jesus says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink. Now listen to this, folks. This is not something that's bottled. You go and buy in the store somewhere. This is something that can be settled deep inside of us. It's not something you put through your mouth. It is something that God does and he brings the satisfaction and he does the great work. And it's not just for this moment, but it's the kind of thing that will go all the way to eternity. And he offers it directly from himself to you and I. You don't have to go to a church building. You don't have to go to a church camp. You don't have to go on a mission trip. You don't have to do any of that kind of stuff. God himself offers the direct source from the living water. He is the living water. He offers this to you and I. And Jesus offers this to her. And notice what he says to her. And if, if you knew the gift of God, if you really knew what God wants to give you, and if you knew who it is that is saying this to you, the one who is the living water, who is saying to you, give me a drink, listen to what Jesus says, you would have immediately said, you would have asked him this question, how do I get this? You see, Jesus is central to everything in our lives. And, and we all have questions that remain. Sometimes some of those are questions that are that remain unasked. And if we truly knew that he invites us to come, and to ask, we would find that answers are there in the Scripture that are solid, that are secure, and that give us exactly what we need. And so Jesus said to her, listen, I, I'll give you living water, but here's what you've got to do. You've got to ask. Church, are we ready to ask today? To come to a place where we know truly and genuinely what living water is. So one, with this offer to be spiritually satisfied, it is an offer of grace and mercy. It is an offer that comes from the direct source, Jesus himself. And thirdly, it is an offer of water, listen to this, that is alive, it lasts, it does not fade. He would have, Jesus said, if you would ask, he would have given you living water. This phrase and idea of living water was not unusual for the Jews. They spoke of this a lot. They used this idea of living water to speak of springs and fountains and running streams. There was opposite of dead water and stagnant water. 
And Jesus, as he's saying this, he's saying to her, I've got a message, I've got a word, I've got a teaching for you that is full of grace and mercy and satisfaction. It is in direct opposition to the impure, dead ideas of the Pharisees and even of your faith, the Samaritan faith. And Jesus lovingly and Jesus patiently just reaches out and he reaches out and he touches her spiritual thirst to lead her to see that she has a greater need than physical water. She has a spiritual need. And it is in this moment with her by the well that is offered to her is astounding. She is promised living water and it likely sounded to be very good in that moment because of the way she had lived her life, the way she was living her life in that moment. She had given herself to all types of physical relationships to satisfy and quell her longings and they had continued to leave her empty and thirsty. Sex and marriage and all the other stuff had failed to bring her any kind of happiness. And look at the beauty here in the text. The eternal Son of God offers her something that she has been looking for, and all she's got to do is ask for it. He tells her exactly what to do. You ask me because I'm the one who can give you this gift of God to satisfy you. Ask me. And I would say this to us, church, this morning. If there's something in you and you're wrestling with with a, with a vice and, and you're just chained up by sin and you're caught up in it and, and it's not that you, you hate Jesus and you've turned your back on God but you've just slipped away and you've gone to false wells and you're caught up in all of that, I want to say to you today, if you want freedom from that, the call this morning is to ask. The one who says, if you knew what I could give you and offer you, ask me. Would you ask him now? Ask him. Lord, give me this living water. Now let me, let me say what this offer of living water is not. This is not a reference and an invitation to live your best life. This is not an invitation to do what you want and when you're spiritually thirsty kind of come to Jesus and take a sip and then go back to your old ways and do whatever you want to do no it is an offer to come to the source and to get water that satisfies the inside that's living and lasts because here's what happens for many of us we come to wells like Jacob's well and we fill a cup up and we drink we go on our way but we have to keep coming back and eventually these wells coming back over and over they just become empty wells to where eventually there's not anything there and so we leave this this thing that we thought would satisfy us and we go somewhere else and we take our cup and we fill up there and we drink there and then when that's empty and we go from place to place to place and Jesus is saying, will you come to me? Will you come and quit going to the world's wells and come and drink? So this offer 
is full of grace and mercy. It comes directly from Jesus himself. And this offer is water that is alive. Now look at verse 11. She's still kind of confused. Her head's swimming a little bit with all of this. So the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. And then she kind of tunes in. Where do you get that living water? So she's looking at the well. Sir, you can't get into the well. Now wait a minute. What? what, what where do you get this living water? And she's going back and forth trying to figure out what it is that Jesus is saying. So she looks at him. Here's a guy who's come to the well. And he's not brought a rope, he's not brought a pail, he's not brought a pitcher. How is, she, how is he going to get water out of that? But Jesus, again, is not talking about anything like that. Listen, he needs no help getting water out of the well. That's not why he's come. Was he thirsty? Yeah, he said he was thirsty. He was hot, he was tired, he needed thirst. He, he, he did want to drink earlier, but that's the, not the point of things. You see, what he is offering her is not found down in that well 75 feet or 100 feet below. She is still looking in the wrong place. And just like so many other people in the world today, and this may be you, looking for satisfaction in a place that it's never going to be found. You see, the gift of living water and salvation that only the Holy Spirit can bring in birth and in part comes at salvation and faith in Jesus. And because Jesus offers her living water, it reveals that he knows he is God and he has exactly what she needs. And she should have noticed that Jesus was not now interested in the water anymore. He's not talking about the water down in the well. He's talking about living water. He's talking about something else. He's not talking about getting anything from her anymore. He has told her that now he's not interested in her helping him get something to drink. He's got something for her that he wants to give her. And it's a gift of living water. And this is the nature of our salvation for those of us who've come to know him. One can drink. We know this to be true. One can drink of the pleasures of this world like this poor woman. And we will still have to try to find more ways to satisfy ourselves because this cannot ever satisfy. It will eventually be empty and we will go from place to place to place. So where does Jesus get this power to offer this living water? He can do so because he is the living water. Let's look at the third thing this morning. Look at verse 12. So she kind of turns things a little bit spiritually now. Jesus has been moving it spiritually. She asks a little bit of a spiritual question in verse 12. Are you greater than our father Jacob? You see, he gave us the well, and he drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And here's the third thing I wanted to see this morning. Jesus is always the greater gift. Jesus always gives the greater gift, which is himself. Is himself. See, Jesus, others-centered, we talked about that in the very beginning, is focused on her to give his life for her. So she asked the question, are you greater than our father Jacob? Great question. We all need a question like that answered. Now, the Samaritans were partly connected to the northern kingdom of Israel, so they still saw themselves and spoke of themselves as children of Jacob. 
So she has a quasi-understanding of her spiritual heritage, but it is more physical now with the well, looking at the well, Jacob's well, than it is spiritual. And yes, to answer the question, is Jesus greater than Jacob? Absolutely, he is. And so she says, listen, he gave us the well, and he drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. This well that she kept going to, that they kept going to, was seen in the eyes of the people as honorable because it came from the very hand of Jacob, their spiritual father. And therefore, they saw it as pure and significant in their heritage. And for many people, we see it in our country as well, we love to speak of our heritage. And we love to speak of those who were great in our heritage, who did great things. And just think of America for a moment. We speak highly of George Washington and Harriet Tubman and Abraham Lincoln, people like Rosa Parks, the originators and writers of the Declaration of Independence, George Washington Carver, General and eventually President Eisenhower. We affirm all of these people who have passed down something in our current country, and there's this great heritage connected to that. But let me just remind us, those people cannot give us anything that can satisfy us. And so we can't get caught up in people. We've got to get caught up in the one who can offer life to us. And so she now takes the conversation to a little bit of a deeper place, indicating that even though her moral life was a wreck, it had not kept her from thinking about spiritual matters. So she had connected to this well that there was something connected to Jacob, and he had drank from it himself, and so now she is beginning to compare Jesus to one of the greatest examples in her mind and of faith in Israel's history. And so Jesus, we see here, is beginning to open her eyes. And Jacob had given a well that satisfied, listen folks, it satisfied physical thirst, but Jacob had never talked about that you could get living water from this well. So she wonders, did Jesus have another well somewhere that she could go to? And she has this misunderstanding still about what's going on. But let me remind us, Jesus is the greater gift, and he always gives the greater gift to those who will believe. And that greater gift is himself. And because of misunderstanding, oftentimes there are all kinds of confusion things about who Jesus is that can only be corrected by conversation connected with biblical truth. And if her greatest concern was for her soul, then she would have immediately gotten that Jesus was talking about something more than Jacob's well, something more than a cup and getting water and briefly being satisfied. But he was talking about something far greater, far more powerful her faith needed to be in the right place. Her faith, watch, needed an object. Faith always needs an object. Faith is not blindly putting trust in something without any kind of knowing. Faith is trusting in someone and Jesus is calling her not to the well. Forget about the well. I am offering, if you knew what I was offering to you, you would have asked me, and I would have given you, this is what Jesus is saying, I would have given you the greatest gift I could give you, which is myself. Look with me in 13 and 14 now. 
There has to be this great shift that comes in our lives if we're ever going to be spiritually satisfied in this life. The great shift has to come from embracing a life of continual thirst grounded in the things of this world to ending the thirst by coming to Jesus. Look at 13 and 14. So Jesus said to her, and it's almost like, I don't know if he's still leaning against it. I don't know if they're away. I don't know what's going on. But let's just say he points to the well, like this orange jug here. He points and he says to her, everyone, woman, everyone who drinks of this water, let me just tell you what's going to happen with them. They're going to thirst again. You come out here every day to get water. You're going to come tomorrow. You're going to come the next day. Everyone who drinks of the things of earth is going to be thirsty again. But look at 14. But whoever, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. So again, she asks a question. Jesus doesn't immediately answer her question, but he speaks and he calls her straightforward, straightforward nature of Jesus. And he says to her, he said to her directly, everyone who drinks of this water is going to be thirsty again. It's just going to continue to cultivate more thirst. And this is not, nobody gets to be an exception to this. Every one of us who goes to the wells of the world are going to have to continue to go back because they can never, ever satisfy. And no one is an exception to this. Everyone falls in line with that. Every drink from every well of the world will keep the thirst going. It will not fade away until someone comes to know Jesus. And so he says, you will be thirsty again. Just think about some of these things. Love, wells, love, success, alcohol, wealth, sex, fear, money, fame. Clear-cut examples of countless springs that the world has dug and the world has offered and that humanity goes to and takes the cup and drinks and drinks and drinks until it's dry to go to another place. And to start the endless cycle all over again. But 14 is this great call from Jesus to leave that life and to do this. Now, this has not happened yet, we know this, but to come to this well and to come to this place. And to drink from the well of his life where he laid his life down and where he calls us, if anybody is thirsty, let him come to me and drink because I'm the one who can satisfy. And we see this ending of our earthly thirst to a spiritually satisfied thirst can only come when we come to Jesus. And this coming to Jesus is an invitation from him that is littered all through the Gospels. Listen to this one. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Matthew fourteen twenty nine. He tells Peter in the midst of the storm, 
You come, get out of the boat. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. Matthew 19, 13. Children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, No, you let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. And then in Matthew 25, 34, then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now listen, church, this great shift has to come in our lives. And it's moving away from the wells that are going to continue to make us thirsty and to come to the well that will satisfy our thirst, and that's Jesus. And remember, he says, come to me. You come to me, and I've got something that you need. And what he has is the fifth thing I want us to see. He has real and lasting satisfaction, and it is grounded in the gospel. The last part of verse 14, <clears throat> and the water that I will give him will become in him, will become in him this incredible spring. Look at 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. <clears throat> there is a real spiritual water. It is Jesus himself. And whoever drinks of it, it's different than the other one. You come to this well, you're going to be thirsty again. This one is in the Greek, in the aorist, in active tense. And it means this. If you'll drink of the water that I'm offering you, you will not be thirsty again. It stops. It ends there because it is real and lasting satisfaction because it is connected to me. And I want to just say this and kind of give us a picture here because this is what happens. It's not a one-time sip. It's not just a, a gulp. Because I've heard people say throughout the years who have walked away and they've said words like this, I tried Jesus. I took in what He offered. I sang the songs. I heard the sermons. I went under the water. But I felt thirsty and empty again. So what is one to say to that? What does that mean about that person I would just simply say this, that person did not come to know Jesus in genuine faith because when you do, it doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect, but it does mean this, that there's an understanding that satisfaction is grounded in Him. And here's what I think happens way too often. See, this is not to be something like this where there's just to be a sip, and then I kind of go back and I kind of live my life back in the world. And then when I kind of want a little Jesus, I come and get a little sip. No, this is something that is continual where we gulp and we drink. We just drink it in. And it's one that we daily go back to. Because I think the problem for us becomes this. If it's just a sip and then we go back to the wells of the world, 
then we will live consistently confused about who we are and our faith. But I believe that when we drink consistently and we go to the well of Jesus, he offers a spring of water that goes all the way to eternity. Listen to Jesus' words in Revelation 21.6. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And to the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. And I believe our soul is a desert. It's the driest desert. They are in need of water. And the life of man longs for joy and peace and rest and less anxiety but they can never find it going to the wells of the world because they become empty. And the search will never end for it cannot be satisfied. And so Jesus says, listen, I offer it and I'll give it, but it's got to be received in a relationship by repentance. And sadly, it is so often rejected. But I want to say the gospel satisfies Jesus Satisfies The want will end for satisfaction when the desire for Jesus begins. And he says this. And, and I don't think Jesus just says words haphazardly. He says these words. Will never be thirsty again. Now again, that's not saying that we're just going to perfectly do this right. But it means that if we come and we drink consistently there's a satisfaction we have his word and it is like water to our soul just a couple more things and let's just talk about the well of eternal life for a moment the last part of verse 14 he says will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life now notice what it says there will become, not might become, hope to become, it will become. It is an inside well in our lives. It's not water on the outside. It is water on the inside that is alive. It is satisfying. And he says this, will become in Him. Not in Jesus. Yes, it's from Jesus. But it becomes in us. It is on the inside of us. Our faith is not a matter of rituals or chants or ceremonies but this is something when we come to know Jesus and we drink and we come to know him and we and we we see the wells of the world don't offer anything and I can keep going back and I can keep going back but it's when I come to know this well and what he has to offer because of what he did now I know that in him I can drink and that drink from him becomes in me something that lasts all the way, and he says, welling up to eternal life. So this is an inward relationship with Jesus Christ. It is to be our heart where things flow from the source of Him who is alive inside of us. Springing up, a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. It is alive, it is not stagnant, but it is something that flows in every season of life. In the cold day of winter, in life's hot summer heat, in a cool fall morning, in the awakening of a spring day, and during a pandemic. 
this offer of Jesus, come to me and I will give you water that wells up in you to eternal life. Yeah, even you, Samaritan woman, I'm offering it to you. I'm offering it to you. See, he's offering, offering an opportunity to have all of your sins forgiven and to be right with God. Listen to these thoughts. This what, eternal well in us is a never-failing resource of satisfaction. It comes from the God-man. In us, this well is it's during this life we have this ever-abiding blessing flowing from faith as we trust in Jesus. And that is in us where God Himself is abiding until we are in His presence in heaven. Here's the last thing. Verse 15. So the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty. And this last phrase is important. Watch, watch this. Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty. And watch. And have to come to this well again. She's still a little bit confused. He's not talking about the water in that well. He's talking about himself and he's talking about something far more. But here, here's what I want to say. And you can kind of hear it in her heart a little bit. I don't want to have to keep coming out here anymore. Can I just get this back in town? But she's confused about it. You see, there's never, there's never spiritual satisfaction that is born in convenience. Spiritual satisfaction is born in conviction. And so she says, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. She wants what Jesus is offering. As she knows she is thirsty, but she's still a little bit confused. Something still needs to happen. She has not done something. And what she needs to do is she has not yet dealt with her sin nature and her sin that had separated her from God. You see, Christianity is not born in convenience. It is born in conviction. And I think the response of the Samaritan woman was logical, still not spiritual. I don't have to come here again. I don't have to come here again and get this. So, sir, where can I get this living water? And let me just touch on this, and then we'll read one last verse. This matter of convenience marks the evangelical church in the 21st century. It was as if she responded, Jesus, I don't, if you can make my life a little bit easier and more convenient, then I'm all for it, that I don't have to come out here and drink of this. Can you give me some living water that makes all of that kind of better? And sadly, today, that is what so many want in this day and age of easy believism that dominates our day and what dominates much preaching. Where you know you just have to repeat a prayer. You don't have to count the cost. And it's a mindset where you can have the world and you can have God at the same time. Now she's right there. Jesus has cast his fishing line out in the pool of the world. And he's about ready to set the hook. She is ready to go. She's not had to talk about her sin. 
She's not had to talk about her life. He's got her right there. And then out of the blue, Jesus gets personal. Look at 16. So Jesus said to her, Hey, go call your husband and come here. Whoa, wait, wait, wait a minute. We're going to talk all about that next week. But I want to close with this. I want to hold this up because she's come to the place where she recognizes I want to be satisfied. I want to be satisfied. She's still a little bit confused about it. And it's kind of become about convenience a little bit. She wants the living water. She's intrigued by it. But she needs to do something. And what she needs to do is this. And the reason Jesus says, hey, go get your husband is because she has to deal with her sin. We will never be satisfied. Listen, church. You will never be satisfied if we, even if you're a believer, <coughs> if you do not deal with the sin and the false wells that you're going to. So what does Jesus do? He holds up the truth so that we will look at ourselves and look at ourselves and see what needs to go what's there what needs to go and so when Jesus says to her you go get your husband and bring him back he is holding up the truth <clears throat> what's been her false well men she's been married a bunch of times is now living with a guy who's not even her husband and so listen I want to close with this <coughs> Jesus today wants to hold up the mirror of the truth of God's Word and ask you and I to look at ourselves. Are we going to false wells? And if we are, it's time to leave them. And He calls us not to convenience, He calls us to conviction, to deal with our sin. And when she deals with her sin here in a, in a little bit, we'll know next week, things transform for her. So much so, she runs back in town where she's an outcast and invites everybody out to come see the guy who knew everything about her. Church, if satisfaction is going to come, we've got to look in the mirror of the truth of God's Word and let that change us and transform us. Let's pray.